welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Man, it is 57 degrees outside, and uh, I don't know, man, this week, huh? Shoot. We're glad to just be able to be a part of the world and have lights on and heat and electricity and water and all of that. Um, If you didn't have any issues this week, like if your power was on the whole time, you know, God bless you, that's wonderful. Um, If you were like me and you had like the rolling blackout situation, that's okay, Uh, because there were a lot of people that didn't have power at all. And uh, so we'll let them tell the story where the rest of us are just gonna watch. But, um, you know, if you're brand new to our church, before I jump into like a message and teaching and all kinds of stuff like that, uh, if you're brand new to our church and you're here and you like us, we, man, we sure like you. We wanna, we wanna be your friend. We want you to feel like your family here, whether you're watching online or you happen to sit in this room today. Um, the church is not a building. A lot of people think that churches are buildings and, and buildings represent churches, but churches are people. Jesus established this thing called the church that was a group of people that are meant to do life together, to pursue him together. And we're gonna talk about that some today, but if at any point today you just feel like, man, I really like these people and I wanna do life with them, we have been waiting on you to say that. And uh, we have a number, you heard, you heard, yeah, we, totally. Thanks, Heidi. Uh, we, we have a number that you can text and you heard Clay mention it earlier, this is not some automated service, you're not adding your name to a list. There's, there's people on the other end of this number that would love to get to know you, love to understand how we can serve you better as a church. That number is 972-945-9772, whether you're online, in this room, whatever. Um, if you're brand new, you can text the letters VIP and we're gonna give you $5 just for wanting to be our friend. Now, usually I wouldn't encourage you to do that because people that try to give you money to be their friend, uh, that's really all they have to offer. They're just kind of weird and hey, I'll give you money if you're my friend. Um, I promise you I'm the most awkward person that you're gonna interact with today. <laughs> Everyone else is gonna be really cool and uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to figure it out, for real. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So, um, oh, you're too, you're too kind. I don't, here, <laughs> stop it, stop. Whitney wasn't in here last service, so I'm not ready for this. See, like, I, I'm... When I say I don't know what I'm doing, I mean in like social situations, I'm trying to figure out groups of people. I'm 33, hopefully at some point it'll all come together for me. But for real, uh, we wanna get to know you. We wanna be your friend, we wanna do life with you, and so let us know if you're willing to do that with us. You can just text that number at any point. So, um, we've been talking about yes, and I know at some point, um, I knew at some point we were gonna talk about the doors, I don't know if you've noticed, we've been in this series called Yes, and we have a bunch of doors on stage. No no questions, like no, like we just have doors and yes, and those, yeah, sure, they put them on stage, so obviously it makes sense. Uh, We have to choose in life to open the right doors and close the wrong doors, right? And when we say yes to things, what we do is we open doors. When we say no, we close doors. So we've been talking about saying yes to stuff in this this series, and today I wanna wanna just, just, speak with you on the subject of saying yes to a life by design. And um, many of us have, are familiar with the concept of, of doing things by design and by default. Pastor Keith, who's, who's my dad, uh, says, you were created by design, not default, to live a life by design, not default. So, makes sense. What is default? Um, something that is by default is a thing that exists or happens 
if it is not changed intentionally by performing and an uh, action. So the first, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself a question. Like, what are your defaults? All of us have defaults. All of us have ways that we naturally are as, uh, as people. If you want notes, if you want to see where I'm going, um, you can download our app and you can go to live.elevate.life and you can actually type in your answers to these questions because the most important thing today is not me speaking to you, not me telling you all kinds of revelation or things that I know. It's ultimately you having a conversation with yourself and, and having a conversation with God too. And so, so you got to answer this question. Now, we don't have time for you to answer this question right now, but you got to think about this. Like, what are your defaults in your thinking? Like, what are your ways of thinking that you have that exist if you don't change them intentionally? Right? So all of us have that. Like, all of us have natural thought process defaults. What are your, what are your default attitudes? Like, what are your default attitudes that exist if you don't change them intentionally? Now, a lot of us, this, if you're, like, struggling with that, just look at how you felt when the power went out at your house unannounced, we thought maybe it was coming. And then for me at 3 a.m., uh, all of a sudden, all, my, all these things start beeping in my house, what the heck's going on? I got an eight-month-old and a three-year-old, I'm trying to figure it out. My default attitude came out in that moment. Now, some of you, meaning like one out of every thousand of us, have default positive attitudes, and I think that's beautiful. That is absolutely not me. My default is like, you know how people have like zero to 10? on like a positive attitude scale, my default is like negative 10. Like this is just the worst, I hate everything about this, why is this happening, this is awful, that's my default. Like that sound, that's uh, my default. So then actions, like what are your default actions? What do you just do that just happens if you don't change them intentionally? For me a default action is I do not eat right and I don't go to the gym, that's a default. And uh, I still have to like, you know, to try to do that by design. And uh, I'm, I'm doing okay, honestly, I'm, I need to get better. But this week we had power outages and stuff, so I couldn't go work out. So I just decided <laughs> instead, instead I would drive to Whataburger and wait in the drive-through line for an hour. <laughs> Cause you know what, the gyms aren't open, but Whataburger is. So <laughs> living life by default. So if we're not intentional in our life, if we're not intentional, we often, we more often than not find ourselves living by default more than by design. So my default is, I, I, I didn't ask to be this way. I didn't like create myself, right? God made me, I am who I am on some level. My default, I'm very, I'm a very cynical person. Now I'm 33, so I've had a, and I've had, I have a, 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 a dad who's, who's not cynical at all, and I have parents who aren't cynical. So I've had that beat out of me in the most loving ways <laughs> throughout, throughout my life. I have kids of my own now. My defaults are still cynical, which, which, which is just the word no. My, my default answer to any question that you would ask me is no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a resistant person. Like you could bring me the best idea in the world. You, it could be the most beautiful situation. 99 out of 100 things could be amazing. And I'm the yeah, but guy. Yeah, but, you know, that one thing, that's going to sink us. That's what's going to kill us and we're all dead. You know, um, that's me. So one time, so recently, I think, uh, when's the World Series? Does anybody know? Whenever, October, whatever, baseball, right? <laughs> baseball is just about, I mean, I would rather, I, I, I would rather watch curling than baseball. <laughs> because at least in curling, they're moving. 
like baseball, we're just standing here and there's one guy moving and the rest of us are standing there. If you like baseball, that's awesome. You don't have a microphone right now though. So, <laughs> so I've never cared about baseball, right? And I, I um, a friend of ours, during the World Series, it was at Globe Life Park, which is the new, the new ballpark that looks like a Home Depot in Arlington. And um, <laughs> it's a billion dollars, most expensive Home Depot looking building you've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, so some friends of ours came in town and they're huge, they're huge Dodgers fans, huge baseball fans, they're from LA. Yeah, Dodgers, whatever, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, he's from Dallas, that's the only reason why I know who he is. So, um, so they call, they, 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 they were in different spots. One, so it was a father and a son and some, and some of their friends. And, uh, and so the, the son didn't make his flight in order to get here. And they were coming in town just for the game that night. So at four o'clock in the afternoon, right before the game, uh, this guy FaceTimes me. Now I don't FaceTime anybody. Like you could ask, I'll text, I'll text you. I'm not even gonna call you really. I'll face, I'll not, like we will not FaceTime. My child will FaceTime you, not me. So if someone, if someone FaceTimes me, it's like a very special moment that we're having, obviously. So, uh, so they FaceTime me, I'm like, okay, I should pick this up. This is weird for someone, I'm gonna pick it up. So I pick up this FaceTime, this person's FaceTime, they're like, hey, I'm in Dallas. I go, oh, that's amazing. This is a person that I see as a mentor in my life. I have a lot of respect for them. And uh, so I was, I was figuring they were looking for my dad because they're more like my dad's age and they couldn't get a hold of him or something. And uh, he said, he said, hey, we just, we just landed and my son missed his flight. And um, we have one ticket, we have one extra ticket now to the World Series. Uh, do you or your dad like baseball? I was like, no. <laughs> okay, like this is the World Series though, so you should be a baseball fan, right? If you get invited to the championship game. Um, just <laughs> side note. So. Uh, so I'm like, no, nah, you know, I'm not really into baseball. I mean, these are people that I really love, people that are really great friends of mine. And I really like being around them. And I'm like, oh, I don't, do I want to drive from Frisco all the way down to Arlington? Just this whole thing, you know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, so he's like, okay, well, we're looking for someone to come, but we'd really like to know them. And so do you know anybody that I know that you could, that you could invite? And I said, uh, well, I'll figure it out. And then in my mind, I was like, why is he asking me to, I, it's like so much work. Now I gotta go figure out who's gonna go to the, I didn't wanna go to the game. I don't care about baseball. Now I gotta figure out for you who can come. How stupid is that? So he goes, hang on. So he's like, we're on the, we're on the FaceTime call. He goes, hang on, like, just come to the game. This is the World Series. I'll teach you about baseball. Just come to the game and hang out with us. I'm like, okay, I'll come. Like just the, this is my default no. Like anybody in this room, most of us in this room who are halfway interested in sports, if someone called you and they said, I'm inviting you to the championship series of whatever sport that you do or don't care about, of course it's a yes. Well, not for me, because my default, my default is absolutely no. Nah, it's just so much. I got two kids. I don't, you know, I'm gonna eat dinner tonight and I don't, <laughs> you know. I'd have to get in the car right now and drive down. It's just a whole thing, you know, I just, <laughs> so, so he's like, hey, he knows me. This guy knows me, he's the kind of mentor in my life. And he says, hey, just, just, come, just come to the game with us. You'll have a good time. So I said, okay, yes, sir. I did it out of obedience, not even because I wanted to, if I'm honest with you. So I drive down there and I park and then I gotta find these guys. You know, it's just on and on and on with this stuff. <laughs> so I gotta find these guys. 
So I, 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 they, they um, you know, now all the tickets are digital, right? So they give me my ticket. So it's like on the club level. I'm like, that's interesting. So I go up there and it's in a box. We're in a box for the World Series. No telling how much this ticket costs. I mean, like $1,000, I have no idea. They were only letting a few, they were only letting 25% capacity into the stadium. Same with the boxes. So I get invited to come to a World Series game, sit in a box at a World Series game, an opportunity that I may never get again the rest of my life. And what's my, what's my default? No. No, I've just you know, got a lot of stupid stuff happening in my life that doesn't really mean anything. You know, one time, there was another time that something like this happened to me, by the way. I just remembered it while I was talking. So U2, U2 was in town and the Texas Stadium had just opened. And uh, a friend of mine had gotten front row tickets to go see U2 at the, te- at, at, the, at the new AT&T Stadium. So they called me, this was like an hour before the show started. They called me, they're like, hey, my, um, one of my buddies can't come, I have a ticket and I'd love for you to come with me. And I was like at the gym and I go, oh man, I can't make it, I'm at the gym right now. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, what? I go, yeah, I just, I'm in the middle of a workout. I really just, I, I'd have to drop everything to go to see you two on the front row at the stadium with the whole screens coming up and down. I mean, honestly, that's just a lot for me right now. I'd rather just, it's just foolishness. So uh, when we say no, we close doors to really cool things in our life that we can look back on and go, wow, like I really should have said yes to that. When we say yes and we do it intentionally, we open doors to the right things. So all of us have defaults. My default is no and resistance and cynical. And I'm, I've missed out on so much in my life because of that. At my age, I'm still trying to say yes to things, even though there's still these defaults in me. So what does it mean to, what's design? Design is just really simply the practice of conceiving and planning things that don't exist. Pretty much everything we interact with in the world is designed. The clothes you wear are designed, the car you drive is designed, your house is designed, the chairs you're sitting in right now are designed, uh, the, the stuff you're gonna watch on TV later, TV later, there's all kinds of design that goes into that. Um, everything that we interact with for the most part as humans is designed, but for some reason in our life, we don't really put thought into the design of our life. So even though the clothes you wear are gonna, de- are gonna be designed, those are designed to fit a human, Right? You're not like wearing a shirt with one sleeve, correct? Like that was intentionally, they put two sleeves in there because you know, most of us have, have two arms, right? They get two pants, two leg holes in the pants because we got two legs to wear with our pants on and on and I could go. You're not wearing shoes that don't fit you, right? Your shoes are designed for someone that wears your size shoe. But then here's what we do. We go through life and we go, well, like, you know, I guess I'll just live life. It's all just figured out. That's not what our existence is supposed to be. So how can we say yes to design and no to default? I wanna invite you into this. I wanna give you three, three steps and then we'll be done. I'm gonna start with the first one, but the three steps are this. Understand the plan, step one. Step two, follow the pattern. Step three, receive the promise. And we're gonna walk through that. So you've heard, you probably, if you've been in our church for a period of time, have heard that taught before because that's something we talk about a lot here at Elevate Life. So step one, understand the plan. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this. It says that you're God's masterpiece, that you're created new in Christ Jesus so that you can do the things, the good things that God planned for you to do a long time ago. So there's a plan. Human existence, our life is not random. It is not like just, we're not just atoms kind of bumping into each other. 
There's a plan for all of this stuff and you are a masterpiece created by God. You're like a unique individual. You're the only you that there's ever gonna be in the history of the whole world. Like you're one of one. And there's a plan that comes with you being a part of the one one of one. So answer this question, what is God's plan for your life? (laughs) Man, I've been trying to figure that out for a long time. Right? This is like this is like we're getting into what's the meaning of life territory, which is a question we've been asking since the beginning of human history. So what's God's plan for my life? God says there is one, and then we go, well, I should probably figure that out. Um, the second question is, okay, like God's plan. Okay, that's hard for me. What's your plan for your life then? Just like, what do you want? What do you want to do? Who do you want to be? Do you ever think about that for yourself? That's a rhetorical question, but like. For real, like what is your plan for your life? What do you want to see in your life? What do you want to, what do you want to accomplish in your life? Who do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? All of that. So there's God's plan, there's our plan. And most of us, we don't even have our own plan. So we, you know, I feel like sometimes for me, I go, well, I don't really know, I don't really know God's will. I don't know the mind of God. So I guess I'll just, just flow through life, right? I guess I'll just kind of figure it out as I go here. Um, I can, I can be more intentional than that. I can say, okay, I can design my life in such a way in the things that I can control, which are my thoughts, attitudes, and actions, I can develop a plan for those things. So does God have a plan for your life? Do you believe that? And then do you know what it is? You know, the Bible tells us what God's plan is for our life. Now, now I'm not telling you to go home and read the whole Bible. There's one verse in the Bible that tells you what, there's probably multiple ones. Um, I don't know, I don't have the whole Bible memorized, just so you know. Uh, most pastors don't. Um, so Romans chapter 12, verse two, like you should forget. Most people only know John three sixteen. Okay. And that's like a cool verse. That's a good verse. That's nice. God so loved the world. He gave Jesus. That's cool. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's really important. Um, but if there's one verse you should remember that will help you in your life, in your quest, it will be Romans 12, verse two. If you're gonna get a verse tattooed on your body, do this one. Hundred percent, not Psalm 139, not none of that other stuff. Just this one, so that you can always look at it and always remember what the will of God for your life is. And this and this applies to all of us. So here, here's what Romans 12 verse two says: Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. So don't be like everybody else. Don't conform yourself to some pattern of behavior that's out there. Don't chase after the same things that the world is chasing after, right? Let God transform you into a new person. You gotta let him do it. He's not gonna force you into it. Let God transform you into a new person by doing what? Changing the way that you think then you'll know God's will for your life. So there's all this, like, who taught you? Here's a question for you today. Who taught you to think the way that you think? Who taught you to think the way you think about people, about this country, about your life, about other people's life? Who taught you that? Because all of us are learning how to think from somewhere. And so Paul's saying in Romans 12, don't, don't learn your thinking from whatever. Right? How Let me... Uh, I'm not going to do it. There's channels that we watch on, there's channels that we watch on TV 
most of us would rather spend time watching what we watch than letting God transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think. And here's, and here's how I know that. Here's how you know that. How much time do you spend watching what you watch, looking at what you look on Instagram or whatever? How much time do you spend doing that? What's your screen time counter? All of us probably got a notification today. Let me tell you what mine is. If I can. I got a seven hours and 26 minutes a day I've spent on my phone this week. Don't judge me, I was locked in my house. <laughs> spend that much time looking at screens, learning how to think from whatever we learn how to think from. If God wants to transform us into a new person by changing the way that we think, that means we have to spend time learning about his way of thinking, which means if you call yourself a Christian, you spend time reading the word. Now, if I asked everybody in this room, I'm not going to ask you because I don't want to be embarrassed as one of the pastors of this church. How many of you have read the Bible this week? Uh, we would all probably embarrass ourselves a little bit, right? So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like everybody else, but you're learning how to think from somewhere. Only when you and I allow God to change the way that we think can we begin to accomplish his plan for our life. Can we begin to be who he's called us to be? You're not gonna learn that from nothing. You're not gonna learn that from looking at Twitter. We're not gonna learn that from looking at whatever it is that we look at, playing video games, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But you and I have to, be, have to, have to care about who's telling us what the plan is. So, so step one, like the plan, really simple. Let God transform you, let God change you into new, transform you by changing your thinking so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God concerning you. So like regardless of, I don't know everybody's gifts, talents, abilities in this room, no idea. God's plan for your life, it's this simple, is for you to just become the best you that you can be. It's not for you to have a certain level of income. That's your plan for your life. Nothing wrong with that, but that's your plan. It's not for you to have a certain level of influence, a certain level of success. It's not for you to be in a certain position. It's just for you as an individual person, thinking about yourself to be the best you that you can be, to think the best thoughts you can possibly think, to have the best attitude that you can possibly have and to do the best things that you can possibly do. This is God's will for your life. So let yourself off the hook. You don't have to like figure it out. You know, when I was a kid, I went to all kinds of church camps and stuff, right? So at church camp, they have all, everybody come forward who feels called to ministry and everybody else just like, y'all sit down and feel embarrassed about whatever you don't feel. <laughs> Um, I always, I don't even know what that, what being called to ministry means because the more I've learned and the older I've gotten, the Bible tells us we're all in ministry, no matter what our job or role is. The Bible says in Ephesians four, that God's given gift to the gifts to the church to equip all people to do the work of the ministry. So in your life, everything you do is, is ministry. Why? Because when you understand the fan, understand the plan, follow the pattern and receive the promise. God invites you into this thing. It's called the great commission where you all of a sudden your ministry becomes your life. So can you, can you go be a business person and do ministry? Sure. Like, can you do whatever it is that you're called to do and be in ministry? Definitely. Being in ministry doesn't mean like being on a platform or having pastor attached to your name, whatever that, whatever that is in your mind. But you and I have to decide, let me just step back from that. 
might be complicating it for you and for myself. Let's make a decision to understand the plan. God's got a plan. You're a masterpiece. Understand God's plan for your life. It's to just be the best you that you can possibly be. Just start there. Just work on that right now, okay? Then step two, follow the pattern. What's a pattern? Something designed or used as a model for making things. So in, in, John, in John chapter one in the Bible, there's this passage of scripture. This is when Jesus shows up on the scene in the book of John. John the Baptist baptizes him. And he says, here's the son, of, the son of God, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. They look at him and he's the Messiah. Now, I'm not gonna teach you about what a Messiah is, but you, you can just Google it, read the Bible, figure out for yourself what a Messiah is. So something happens that's interesting. People that were around Jesus, that saw Jesus at this time, they believed in him, but they didn't just believe in him, they chose to follow him. So he has people that show up in this story, in this passage of scripture, he has people that show up that go, I believe that Jesus is like a different dude. I believe that he's like next level. And Jesus is like, what are y'all talking about? Like, oh, we just, we just like believe in you. He's like, okay, come and go with me. It wasn't this conversation like, that's cool, you believe in me, you've now accomplished your mission on the earth. But the churches I was raised in, not this one, <laughs> but the churches I was raised in and the places I went have taught me for my whole life that it's just enough to believe. Like if you just believe, just believe in Jesus, you'll go to heaven. Is that the goal of life, to go to heaven? Not necessarily. Uh, the, goal, the goal of our life is to do way more than that. You heard Danny get up here and talk about the great commandment. That Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now that doesn't require belief. It requires a whole lot of do though. <clears throat> like very difficult, very difficult do. But here's what happened in the, in, the, in the life of the disciples. They started by believing in him. Now you might be sitting in this room, or you might be watching online. You might say, you know, Jesus was a good guy. I don't believe he was the son of God. That's okay, we'll get to that. But there's not one person who can argue looking at the life of Jesus that his life is not worth imitating. But most of us, if we're honest with ourselves in Christian culture, just wanna, we just wanna make it about believing. Like, hey, I believe in Jesus. Don't talk to me about my lack of integrity in my personal life, though. Like, I believe, I believe in Jesus, but that whole, you know, it's not, it's not even that anybody in this room disagrees with loving your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you a question. Um, if, you're a, if you're a conservative Christian, if you're a conservative political person, most of us are, how well do you love liberals? Just... Like, don't answer, okay? But for real, for real, think about it. Loving, hey, loving my neighbor as myself, who cares what your political affiliation is? Now, the world will tell you that that's really, really important because our way of life is being threatened, blah, 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 blah. Now, we could take that a step further and talk about Muslims and how, and how the, the conversation is in Christian culture about Muslims. Hey, did you feel that? Like all the air just sucked out of this room. <laughs> now, now, like that's not, I'm not indicting anybody in this room, but like our focus is believing too often, way too often. Like you talk about loving your neighbor as yourself, 
This is like another level. And so Jesus says, Jesus shows us the pattern of living. We should model our lives after the lifestyle of Jesus. Now I would assert to you, whatever evidence you would love to, you would love to use, whether you look at the reputation of Christians in America, I mean, you look at all different kinds of stuff, is the reputation of Christians really all that loving? Now you might be a personally a loving person, but there have been way too many people, in my opinion, who are, who are just settled with believing. And then like living, and following and loving and all that, like, I, I agree with the words. I believe in the words, but I won't live the lifestyle. So, so we, we make that, and I'm not, you know, again, I'm not like indicting anybody in this room. I'm not saying who you are, who you are. I don't, I don't even have Facebook. I don't follow you on Instagram. I don't know your life. I don't know anything about you. But to believe is to understand the plan. Like, God, I understand you have a plan. Then we gotta follow the pattern though. So if someone came to you today, let's get off of this stuff that's making everyone feel uncomfortable. <laughs> if someone came to you today, and you're a Christian, like there are some people that are probably watching this or in this room that aren't Christians. That's okay, you're off the hook right now. If, let's say you're a Christian in this room. You believe in Jesus, you follow him. If someone came to you today and asked you this question, how do I live like Jesus, what would your answer to that question be? How would you as an individual answer that question? Would it be, hey, go to church, you know? Um, read your Bible every day, pray. Like that's like a, kind of a deep question. Like it shouldn't be deep because someone should look at your lifestyle and go, oh, like I just can live like you then. Well, don't, no, don't like, um, not yet. Don't follow me like that way, right? Don't, let's not talk about like the language that I use when I'm not in church. Let's not talk about how I speak to my family. Let's not talk about how I do business though. Because living like Jesus should be, should be this easy. Someone looks at you, how do I live like Jesus? Hey, just like do life like me. Because I'm trying to do life like Jesus and find people that are doing the same thing. But one of the issues that we have is, uh, man, God, I sure understand the plan, but I don't want to follow the pattern though. So I can't answer this question for you, ultimately, um, because each person in this room, each person that's watching this, is a unique masterpiece created uniquely by God which means you have your own personal challenges. You have your own personal things that are difficult for you. Like you might've liked that I just stepped on all the conservative people's toes, but then the, the question you know, in, in, in reverse is like, if someone's a liberal, how well do they love a conservative? On and on and on we could go. Let's <laughs> just go around in circles and all this stuff. So you have a unique journey that God has you on in your life. You have unique challenges that he is bringing into your world. And what you and I have to do, if we, again, if we, if we understand the plan, if we call ourselves a Christian, what you and I have to do is figure out how to take the life of Jesus and overlay that on our life and decide how we should follow him in our unique experience. No one, I can't teach you that, I can't show you that. You and Jesus gotta have a lot of really great conversations about that. So I would encourage you, if you've never read the Bible, if you spend no time in the word, you should not call yourself a Christian. Now that might hurt your feelings and I'm sorry, but if someone's a Christian, they, they claim to follow Jesus. How can you follow somebody that you've never met? How can you, see that, how, how, just honestly, like I'm not, I'm really not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be just argumentative or whatever. How can you follow someone who you spend no time with? It's like someone coming to you, hey, I wanna live like you. Oh, that's cool. 
And then that's all they ever say. Like, we don't do life together. You don't invite me to coffee. We don't go to lunch. We never speak to each other. But somehow you're going to live like me. That just doesn't make sense. It's like one of your kids. Hey, like, I want to live like you live. That's cool. But I'm going to go to this other place and me and you will never talk. So if you don't know anything about the life of Jesus, get started. Read the Gospels. Just look at his life. Just like, just like follow, follow the pattern of his life. You look at his life and you say how that applies to your own life. You can get up, you can have someone get up here and tell you, hey, like, like me or Danny or whoever is going to say it now and for the next 10,000 years of human history, hey, Jesus is all about loving your neighbor as yourself. Until that becomes real in your personal experience, those words are meaningless. Now, I'm not saying that to be critical or negative, because like I said, I don't know you. I don't know that many people. But we love our defaults. And a lot of times, I want to, great God, I understand the plan, but I love the default that I have, and I don't really want to do that by design. Like, I love the default that I have of being... Uh, a conservative political thinker, right? And I'm saying that like personally, I'm a conservative. I love that. I love that I am the way that I am, just like everybody else does too. But that's my default. I have to be willing to lay that down based on the pattern of living of Jesus that is not meant to be political one side or the other, but it's also not meant to, like my politics are not the hill I need to die on. Like, whatever, you, you believe all that. Cool, Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render unto God what is God's. But Jesus is my pattern for life. Not some book that I read, not some person that I watched, not some great thought that I thought was a good thought. My pattern for life should be, I should look at life and not ask this question, not ask what would Jesus do. That's fine, okay? But like, let me tell you something. Some, sometimes in our life, we get to this point where like, Man, like I'm going through hell. This is so awful. This person is so mistreating me. But I should, I should ask myself, what would Jesus do in this situation? And that's okay to do in crucibles, but it's kind of like trying to run a marathon with no training. One time, uh, or a few times actually, if I'm honest, uh, my wife loves to run, run, you know, that Disney World, they have these half marathons that they do that are just like, why would you mix that? Why would you mix the worst thing in the world? with the most magical place in the world. Like, it's just, the dissonance there is incredible to me. But Courtney loves it. Courtney loves running these Disney half marathons. So I'd, ne I'd never run one before, right? And some of you have heard this story before because it's like a defining moment for me in life. Um, look at me, I don't look like a marathon runner, okay? You can see visibly how often I run. <laughs> some of y'all, yeah. Like, don't laugh that hard at that. I'm, I'm trying, but not that hard. So, um, so Courtney really wanted to go run this half marathon. And she's, you know, uh, Courtney's like this person that her dreams are for me to do things with her. Like, it's not just, hey, I, my dream is to do this. My dream is for us to do this together. So one of her dreams was for us to run one of these Disney half marathons together. And um, so I'm like, how hard could it be, Right. <laughs> So I signed, up, I signed up for this half marathon and I just, one time we went out and ran a mile and then I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for 13 of these, let's go. So the time we ran the mile was a week before we left to go run uh, 
this half marathon. Now, if you've never run a half marathon on very little training, just don't do it. It's a bad idea, <laughs> right? So I made it through. I mean, I averaged a 20 minute mile. It was basically walking, if you're unfamiliar with mile times. <laughs> but the worst part about the, the, the marathon was not that I, that I did it. You know, it was like the next day and the rest of that day. And the fact that it pretty much ruined my vacation because my legs and my back and my knees and my feet and my ankles and my shoulders, like what? <laughs> like, I didn't know that when you ran that much, it hurt your shoulders. Now I do. So everything was in pain. Like Courtney, because she trained, she's a runner. She runs six or seven miles a day. She, she like, she was able to like, hey, let's go walk around the parks. Let's go do whatever. I'm like, like we would go sit down at a restaurant. I'm not even kidding. We would go sit down at a restaurant and like to get up from the chair, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to get up from this chair. <laughs> it was like, I'm debilitated. Why? Because I didn't train at all. So trying to like live like Jesus during big crucible moments, if you've never done it before, it's gonna really hurt a lot more than it should. So Jesus invites us into running our race, right? The Bible talks about this race that we should run. He invites us into running our race, but every day is a training session for you. Every day is a training session as it relates to loving your neighbor as yourself. Now you might not be ready for the Muslim conversation. You might not be ready for the uh, conservative versus liberal conversation, okay? Are you ready for the, this person frustrates me today conversation? Are you ready for the, I'm dealing with a personality on an airplane who is very frustrating for me and I'm going to love them as myself in this moment? Are you ready for the small moments? Because the small moments are what make, make the big moments happen in our life. So it's not what would Jesus do. It's every day asking ourselves, what would Jesus think? What should my thought processes be about this situation, this person, this circumstance? Who, who would Jesus be? What, what's my attitude? What's my attitude about this thing? Like, what's my attitude about me not having power? What's my attitude if, if your pipes burst in your house? What's your attitude about that? Then what would Jesus do? And then ultimately, what would Jesus have? Now this is something that we use in our church. Our thinking plus our be plus our attitude plus what we do in life will always equal what we have. God's goal, why is God's goal in Romans chapter 12 verse two to get you to change the way that you think? Because everything starts with your thinking. So if you try to start with your doing, it's not really gonna work. But if you step back and go, okay God, you want me to transform into a new person by changing the way that I think. You want me to be the best me that I can possibly be in this circumstance, in this situation. So how should I think? How do I think Jesus would think? And the more I know him, the more I get to know him, the more I can fight and work through the difficulty of trying to connect all those different kind of dots. So we have to follow the pattern. Step three, um, and the pattern is, so, so, the, so first, understand the plan, right? What's the plan for us to be the best us that God created us to be? Number two, follow the pattern. What's the pattern the way Jesus lived? I invite you into that. Just start in the book of John. Just read John. Just read one, read one chapter in the book of John a day. And then just read through the whole New Testament. Like if you read one chapter in if you read one chapter in the Bible in a day, it's probably like three minutes of your time. 
I believe in you, right? You can do it. We can make it happen. If I can watch Netflix for five hours in a row, I can, I can sit down for three minutes and look at the life of Jesus. So the pattern is the way Jesus lives. Step three, receive the promise. Galatians 6, 9 says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So if doing good was easy, we wouldn't grow weary. Like, there's difficulty inherent in this. There's a lot of thinking that goes into it, a lot of processing. You know, like, what about, like, what about people that don't like me? What about people that, are my, that I feel like are my enemies? What about people that wanna see me lose in life? You know, there's people to this day, if I'm honest with you, like default mode, okay? So a great way to maybe talk about your own thing is say, hey, this is a default for me. So this is a default for me. There are some people that I personally hate. Actual people, individuals, that's a default. Don't judge me. Don't be like, this guy's an idiot because he's talking about hating people. There are some people that I personally like, Oh man, I feel like I have very valid reasons to totally, I mean, hate's a strong word and that's how I feel. There are people that I feel that way deeply about, but design, design, Jesus says, not just love your enemies. He says, pray for those who persecute you. So to be persecuted means that someone is trying to literally kill you. So a person who's trying to wipe you from the face of the earth, you should pray, according to Jesus, that God will bless them. In my life, that's, that's, it's very easy to grow weary in doing good. Like when someone's never gonna change their perspective about you, like maybe you have mistreated people in the past, like I have, and you've done the wrong thing, and then you apologize, and then they don't care. Like you're, never, you're always gonna be who you are. You're never gonna change. You're always gonna be this way. You're always that way. This is how you are. And they just, they just live their, the rest. Maybe you never, maybe there are some people in your life, you never get to have a conversation with them again. It's like it's over. You killed it. And then you never get to talk to them again. And so we can go through life and grow weary in doing good in that situation because it's like, what's, what's even the point, man? But, but Paul says in Galatians, he says, don't grow weary in doing good. For at the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. So in our lives, in relationships with our boss, with difficult people, in difficult, in difficult circumstances, in difficult situations, all you and I can worry about is ourself. There's things that we can control. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we can't control. I can't control people's opinions about me. I can't control people's opinions about who I used to be and what I was like back then or this situation and the way I handled it. What I can control is what I choose to do in the next moment and in the next situation. And that should be doing good. And so I love what, I love this. A few, a few, uh, a few years ago, Pastor Keith shared this thing called choose your heart in a men's, at a, at a, at a warrior night. And uh, it's always stuck with me since then because in my mind, I always think I gotta choose my heart here. It's gonna be hard either way, but choose my heart. So I wanna, I wanna read his words. So he said, uh, being your best is hard. Being your normal is hard. Making wise decisions is hard. Making bad decisions is hard. Being in shape is hard. Being out of shape is hard. That can be mine. 
Losing weight is hard. Being fat is hard. Okay, yes, thank you. (laughs) Working out is hard. Being weak is hard. Being disciplined is hard. Being lazy is hard. Why is he talking to me? (laughs) Getting, Getting out of your comfort zone is hard. Staying in your comfort zone is hard. Starting a business is hard. Working for someone else is hard. Making a lot of money is hard. Making a little bit of money is hard. Being rich is hard. Being poor is hard. Having great relationships is hard. Having bad relationships is hard. Having friends is hard. Having no friends is hard. Fighting for your marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Having a lot of things is hard. Having nothing is hard. Living on purpose is hard. Living off purpose is hard. Doing life God's way is hard. Doing life your own way is hard. Everything is hard. (laughs) Choose your heart. This is the opportunity that you and I get. So, so, yeah, it's hard. So life, there's a, there's a Haitian proverb that says behind these mountains are more mountains. We think, we think that someday we're going to get to the point in our life where it will not be as hard as it is right now. Now, good or bad, I know you came here to get encouraged. Let me just tell you. <laughs> it's not going to get any easier ever, period, at the end of the sentence. But you can choose your heart. Living life by default is really hard. It's really hard. Living life by design is really hard too. Not following Jesus is hard. Choosing to follow Jesus is hard. Not understanding God's plan for your life, it's really hard. Understanding God's plan, well that's hard too because now I gotta change the way I think. Not wanting to follow the pattern is hard because I gotta figure out my own way. Wanting to follow the pattern is hard because now I gotta love everybody and I'm not personally super down for that. Receiving the promise is hard. Not receiving the promise is hard too. So in our life, we get to choose our heart. So to say yes and, and, and to, to, to design and no to default, we have to do three, three really simple things and I'll, leave you, and I'll leave you with this. We must seek to understand the plan by seeking to become the best that only we can be. We must follow the pattern by choosing to do much more than believe in Jesus, but follow him fully. And we must receive the promise by choosing the right kind of heart and never giving up. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.